Clear Channel's iHeartRadio. Welcome to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show. Better than before. An hour of beauty, health, fitness, and lifestyle advice from renowned columnist and author Jane Wilkins Michael and her guest, top experts in their fields. Join Jane's campaign to become better than before. Now, here she is, Jane Wilkins Michael. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show on iHeartRadio Talk. I'm Jane. I'm coming to you live from New York City. I want to thank you so much for being with us. Well, as of the post-wedding brunch Sunday afternoon, my son's wedding is officially over. And I am happy to report it was a tremendous success, but I must admit I was a little nervous about the whole thing. And I spoke of that often to Lori, my producer, very often. Needless to say, the day before the wedding, my nerves were firing on all cylinders. Then I received this email from Laurie. Have some fun, she wrote. After all, it isn't your wedding. It is theirs. <laughs> and those words were key to preventing me from having a major anxiety attack during the ceremony. So here now is the woman who wrote those wise words, my wonderful Laurie Houston. Hi, Laurie. <laughs> Hi, Jane. I just, I could feel your anxiety. I'm like, you know. I know. That really did. I said, it's not your wedding. Why do you nervous? So anyway, that did help. I just, I have to, I have to tell you that. So all good, all good. You know, it's funny, Lori, you know, you're getting old when the band asks everyone to get down and my husband kneels down and I think he's having a heart attack. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, all in all, a great success. And speaking of great successes, mm. I am thrilled to have on the show today, Malika Chopra. Chopra, she is a mom media entrepreneur, and an author, but she is humble enough to tell us that it isn't easy. In fact, she has chronicled everything in her new book, Just Out and Already a Bestseller, Living with Intent, My Somewhat Messy Journey to Purpose, Peace, and Joy, which is a personal narrative in which she explores in a very compelling way, I might add, what balance and purpose means to her. In fact, as someone noted, reading this book is like having the world's best friend, on speed dial. Malika is also the author, uh, is founder of intent.com, a terrific website I've actually written for that focuses on personal, social, and global wellness by harnessing the power of social media to connect people from around the world to improve not only their own lives, but their communities and the planet as well. In addition, Malika is the founder of the Chopra Well, a premier YouTube channel she launched with her brother Gotham and her father Deepak Chopra. But with it all, when I tell you the titles of her first two books, which have been translated and sold in dozens of countries worldwide, A Hundred Promises to My Baby and A Hundred Questions from My Child, you will know what she undoubtedly considers her greatest accomplishments, her two daughters, Tara and Leela. Welcome to the show, Malika. Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thank you. What a lovely introduction as well. Thank you. Oh, we are thrilled to have you. As you know, it's hard to do it all. Yes, Malika, you know, there are Wonder Women out there. You know, those are the ones who get up at 5 a.m., they sprint to the gym, shower, answer all their emails, feed their families organic oatmeal with flax seeds rather than Pop-Tarts, <laughs> right? And they're ready to go to the office as soon as they drop their kids off at school. And I have to tell you, Malika, I did try this once. And after yep. I did it all, I was back in my office ready to go to work. And I'm thinking, you know what? It's kind of easy to do everything. Look, look what I have done just this very morning. And just then the phone rings, and it was Mrs. Butters from the nursery school, and I will never forget this. Mrs. Michael, she said, I believe you sent your son to school. 
in his pajamas. Oh my God. So, <laughs> thank that, so, so much for being Wonder Woman, Malika. So much, so yes. much for that. As you know, it, it is hard. But you know what I love about you is that you're going through what we all as women are also going through. We're also stressed. We wonder how we could possibly do one more thing. And like us all, you were finding you were neglecting yourself and you were also having a difficult time finding deeper meaning and purpose in each day, even though that's your business mission. And yeah. I must say, it takes a lot of grace and space to be the kind of mom, entrepreneur, family member, and, and you are a genuinely gracious person. Um, do you have any suggestions on how we can get our lives back on track, all, all of the rest of us? Yeah, no, I think you, you gave such a great example. Um, you know, I think our generation feels like we have to do it all. Um, you know, we have to be good moms. We have to be great at work. We have to be in shape. We have to be eating perfectly. Um, we have to connect with our friends. And I know that for me, um, despite having good intentions to do everything, I often at the end of the day would feel completely exhausted, um, stressed, and kind of have not done everything on my to-do list and kind of wondering, but what did I do all day as well? Um, and so this journey for me, and that's why we call what the subtitle is my somewhat messy journey, um, was really trying to kind of reconnect and remember, you know, who I am, what makes me happy, um, and also realizing that I can only serve others if I'm taking care of myself. And also that it's okay not to be perfect. It's okay not to be the super mom or the super work person. And, you know, if every day we're living with intent and some sense of meaning and purpose, whatever that may be, um, you know, then, then we're doing a good job. <laughs> right. We're on, we're on the right track. You know, Malika, every mother as you know, feels guilty about something. If we work, yep. we wish we stayed home. If we choose to stay home, even for the first year or so, we think we should be doing something more important with our lives than discussing the differences between pamper and huggies. Yep. And I was actually so guilty that I began to write at home for a few days after my third child was born. But unfailingly, every time I picked up the phone to do an interview, the, the kids began to beat each other up. And I would tell the person on the other end of the phone, imagine the nerve of someone bringing their little monsters to the office. And then I feel <laughs> felt guilty that I, I said that. <laughs> so, exactly. But well, and I, just, you know, yeah. I, I think that's exactly where I felt as you know, if I wasn't at school serving hot lunch and at a meeting instead, I'd feel guilty about that. If I was at school and like kind of not, you know, working 24 seven on my startup company, I'd feel guilty about that. Um, and it, actually, I talk about it in the book, there was a moment where I, I finally decided, you know what, I'm going to start saying no to a few things. Um, and I actually realized, like, for me, I thought, oh, the world will fall apart if I don't show up for the hot lunch. Um, and I'm going to let go of the guilt. And I realized, like, you know what, I don't actually have to do everything. Like, I should, it's okay to say no sometimes, um, to take, you know, instead go for a walk with my friend, um, because that may be something that, I really need right now. So, um, and I have an entire chapter in the book, which is about kind of all the self-criticism and the guilt and the anxiety that we as women put on ourselves because we're always trying to take care of everyone else. Um, and I know for me, I have a lot of my internal dialogue, which kind of is going on at the same time uh, and needing sometimes to say, you know, it's okay. Um, let go of the guilt. 
Yeah, and that's a good point. It's it's okay to say no. I think that so many of us don't realize that, yeah, I mean, just say no, because otherwise if you don't and you try to do too much, then nobody gets, you know, it's 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 bad for you, it's bad for your family, and, uh, you know, it's, it's nothing gets done, which I, which I find. And also, um, you say that you feel overwhelmed at times. Um, you know, Malika, you feel everything I feel. We are definitely separated at birth. <laughs> Um, and, and in your book, you talk about the balance wheel to help parents who are feeling overwhelmed. How, how does that work? So, you know, what happened to me is I was, um, actually speaking in front of a group of people, which I do all the time, talking about balance and intent and meditation and all these tools I've learned in my life. And while I was speaking, um, the audience in the back of my head I was thinking oh my god I gotta go to the dry cleaner I gotta pick up the dog food I you know need to do this with my husband my daughter we have to get in her middle school application so I was having an entire like parallel conversation at the back of my head and I was thinking oh my god I feel overweight and I have body pain and why did I just have that chocolate chip cookie and I realized like you know what I'm kind of a fraud like I'm a real fraud I'm standing here talking about health and wellness and not living that life so I decided, um, I actually, to kind of deal with my own issues, I um, told the group to meditate so that I could kind of re-anchor myself in those few minutes. And I set my own intent to kind of find some more balance in my life, still not knowing how I would do that. Um, And a few weeks later, I was at my parents' place. Uh, My mom was cooking dinner for my kids. My dad uh, was sitting on Twitter. So many people know my father, Deepak Chopra, and millions of people go to him for advice. But I actually don't normally. I go to my mom, like, when I need help. But I decided, you know what, let me kind of brainstorm with my dad. So I told him, you know, I'm kind of struggling right now. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I don't even know why. Like, I'm not feeling healthy. And my dad first looked completely panicked, like, what is my daughter saying? Um, And I could see kind of as he transitioned from... um, panicked father mode to Deepak mode Um, and then we kind of created this balance wheel which I share in the book which really was that first step in my journey to really break down that feeling of like okay I'm feeling overwhelmed but I don't even know why and we broke it down literally into the very practical am I getting enough sleep how's my diet am I moving Um, to then kind of looking at my career my relationships Um, am I having fun anymore? Do I laugh? Uh, Also, you know, what about intellectual stimulation? For me, things like reading poetry and novels used to feed my soul, and now I'm so busy that I don't even do things like that. And when I really kind of examined, you know, meanwhile, I can spend an hour on Facebook, um, but I don't find time to kind of read a good book. So, um, and then last and most importantly, the spirituality sense. So when we broke that down, really kind of started marking each place of where I was thriving, surviving, or just kind of struggling, um, and kind of broke that down and then created intents around certain aspects of my life. That really was the beginning of this journey. Yeah, and you went to your dad. You're, you're, I, I tell you something. Uh, my my kids would. Uh, I, I love it when my kids come to me. But if my dad were Deepak Chopra, I would I would go to him too. Too also. Well, it's funny people <laughs> always assume that, but you know, my dad's my dad. Like I don't know, I still go to my mom. So For, yes, your mom is very very lovely. I might add. Yeah. Um, you, you know, I also find that kids today, as you probably agree, are very self entitled, and and I actually think they have grown prehensile thumbs to help them text. 
right? I mean, that, yeah. that's that's <laughs> definite. And, you know, they're, they're also spoiled and self-absorbed. There was even a story in the Post today that some parents actually hire actors dressed up as fairy godmothers to read fairy tales to them because they just oh don't God. have the time. <laughs> speaking, of, yeah. speaking of spoiled. And as, and, and as you mentioned, you, you do come from a truly lovely family, your mother, your father, your brother, who's actually a friend of my son's. Um, how did your father, uh, speaking of Deepak, who we all know is a, is a, a spiritual leader, uh, teach you to stop uh, appreciating just the materialistic things and, and focus on things of greater value, such as love, compassion, connection, inspiration, and, and purpose? You know, are kids yep. ever too young to learn this, do you think? No, so when we were young, you know, I learned how to meditate when I was nine, um, which I think was a wonderful gift that my parents shared with me. Um, and, you know, I'm the first to admit in the book as well, like I'm a very irregular meditator and, um, you know, I'm not always kind of on that path. But uh, when we were young and um, were taught meditation, my dad would ask my brother and I, who were like the guinea pigs for all of his various kind of thoughts and experiments, um, he'd have us repeat the following phrase, which is from The Course in Miracles. It goes like this. I am responsible for what I see. I choose the feelings I experience and set the goals I will achieve. And everything that seems to happen to me, I ask for and receive as I have asked. And then he would ask us, what do you ask for? So we'd ask for tickets to the Celtics, um, a trip to Hawaii. There were plenty of things we could ask for. And my dad would listen patiently and then he'd say, okay, you know, we'll work on all that. But what about asking, as you said, um, for love, connection, purpose? happiness, relevance. And so we were taught on a daily basis to not just ask for material things, um, but to really ask for the qualities in our life that we wanted to experience. And so when I talk about intent, um, you know, I always feel like intents are very different from goals. Like goals really come from our mind and our task-oriented and material-oriented, whereas intents really come from our soul and they really represent who we aspire to be at our deepest, kind of most innocent level. Right. And also, you know, talking about spirituality, I believe that spirituality is not something you do, it's something you are. And I would surround my children with white lights when they were growing up just to, you know, take out the the bad energy and put in the good. And, you know, I think a lot of um, children and and parents, they they lose touch with giving their children a sense of spirituality. Do you think? Yeah, you know, it's a difficult thing because I again, grew up in this world, but at the same time, you know, um, so many people ask me, um, one of the most common questions after what was it like being Deepak Chopra's daughter, the second question is, how do I get my kids to meditate? Um, And, you know, for me, I I was taught when I was about nine, but my parents never forced my brother and I to meditate, um, ever. They really led through their own example. So, you know, I find so many parents say, oh, my child is so stressed, they're so anxious, if I could only get them to meditate. And then when I ask them, well, do you meditate? They're like, oh, well, I don't have the time. And, you know, it's the, you know, there's so many excuses of why they can't. And by the way, I'm in the same boat um, often. And so for me, I think one of, we teach by example, not just words. And if we are living ourselves a life of intent, um, and, you know, I realize that, you know, I'm constantly my time management issues, my feeling overwhelmed, my not having time to take care of myself, my kids are always watching me. And then, you know, I'm transferring that energy 
to them as well. So I do believe as parents, um, you know, the biggest gift we can give to our children is also leading that kind of life that um, we can teach them through example. Right. And I love when you talk about meditation, um, you know, whenever I attempt to meditate, um, I, I always think of things like, you know, as you said, did I leave the broiler on? Did I forget yeah. to pick up a child at, you know, after school activity? <laughs> and I had a laugh, you know, because you just said that again, we are definitely separated at birth. You know, you said, <laughs> did I forget to take the cupcakes to school? Do I have yeah. to prepare for my presentation? And your to-do list is constantly stampeding through your mind trampling any chance of tranquility which is the same for me so how do you stop those thoughts from kind of superseding the the, you know what we should be doing and get rid of them i think it's important to remember this a lot of which i find funny a lot of anxiety around meditation and the goal of meditation is to you know help us not have so much anxiety so the first thing is to recognize it is completely normal and natural for our mind to wander our mind is set to wander, you know, whenever we kind of do sit quietly, our mind wanders. Sometimes it wanders to our tasks. Other times, you know, it may be completely random things that suddenly we remember memories from childhood or, you know, thought, think of a person. So our mind is meant to wander. But some of the techniques and one of the meditations that I do share in the book, you know, are just simple techniques that help kind of break that cycle of thoughts. Um, and what will happen is, you know, we'll kind of repeat a phrase like I am, our mind will begin to wander, which is totally natural and normal. And then we just repeat the phrase again. And then we kind of kind of have this constant flow between thoughts, sensations, noises in the environment, and then kind of a soothing sound. I call them, we call them primordial sounds, you know, the soothing sounds of nature. And, um, you know, The goal, again, is to kind of let go of judgment and expectations. It's totally fine if you end up sitting there and spending the whole time just having thoughts. It actually probably signifies even more that you need to take this time. Um, And then there will be meditations where you finally do settle in. You know, I think I say in the book also, you know, meditation, it's called a practice for some reason um, because it is a practice. Um, I am not, uh, you know, I don't sit and have like the most mind-blowing meditation every time I I sit down, even though I've been meditating for more than 30 years. So it's a practice. Is there a good time to meditate, like when you wake up in the morning, or doesn't it matter whenever it's... So, you know, a lot of traditions, even what they teach at the Chopra Center, primordial sound meditation, um, recommend meditating twice a day for 30 minutes a day. I don't have the time to do that. (laughs) You know, my mornings are... um, pretty packed with getting my just getting my kids to school then I start work and um, in the evenings again it's difficult for me so I think uh, it's most helpful to find a time that works for you and works for your life I started to once I kind of recommitted to this practice um, I found that for me doing it around two o'clock kind of before I go pick up my kids in the afternoon craziness takes over Um, that was a good time and you know I kind of set like an hour where you know I'll meditate maybe 15 minutes because the rest of the 45 minutes I'm finishing tasks or doing other things but I really as part of this practice um, of getting back on my journey did commit to trying to do it regularly and it had uh, tremendous benefits that's what I should have done before the wedding I should have meditated (laughs) 
<laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't think of it. See, I should have had you on the show last week, and then I would have. But Lori did And the thing me, is, probably you know. my guess is, had you, you'd spend kind of most of the time thinking of your tasks. But I think right. the discipline sometimes of just um, doing it actually um, has tremendous benefit. And then, you know, you do start to slip into this gap every once in a while um, and go beyond just kind of, of the task list, especially if you have the techniques, you know, these are tried and true techniques. Right, right. Now, um, let's go back to kids for a minute, because, you know, children are, are migrated. My kids, my three kids are my greatest accomplishment, and, 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 and you talk so lovingly about your daughters as well. You know, it's hard out there for kids. You know, it's, it's, it's difficult for us, but it's also hard for them. And, you know, girls have to deal with mean girls. Girls, I find, are a little more difficult. They always roll their eyes and, you know, everything's such a big deal. Mm. All boys care about is sports, you know, but girls yeah. are always, you know, clicking their tongues and rolling their eyes and, you know, even as, even as they, they get older. My daughter is now 26 and it's still, she's wonderful. We have a great relationship. But, you know, it's always, you know, you always find that you can't say anything about their hair. You know, what's bothering with my yeah. hair? You know, it's just, you know. But um, <laughs> so how, how do you, how do you... um how do you help children deal, uh, realize their potential? They all have it, but I, I think their self-confidence is so affected today because there's so much competition, even at a very young age. Yeah, you know, so I, um, you know, I wish I had great answers for you. I have two daughters. Um, one is 13 and one is 10. Um, so I'm still, you know, I'm, and I feel like my 13-year-old still like in the 12-13 phase versus the 13-14 phase. Um, so I feel like I'm right on the cusp of a lot of um, oh, yes. teenage stuff that's yet to come. Um, all I can say is, you know, until now, um, my best advice still is leading through example. It's being present um, with your kids. What I have realized in my life is that often I'm even physically with them, but I'm so distracted by my work or, you know, other things that often I wasn't even being present with them, um, even when I was with them. Um, so, you know, I'm trying to just, you know, simple things like when I grow up and we all go to bed, I keep my phone downstairs so I'm not constantly on my phone or like when we're at dinner, you know, not kind of being distracted by a million other things. So just being present. Um, and then for us, we have a lot of conversations, you know, it's, it's like the same thing that when we were when they were like three years old and I tried to explain to them, you know, it's not about you, it's about them when someone hits you or, you know, says something. I feel like even now that's even more relevant um, because, yes, girls um, girls can be mean, including our own children, you know. I even, you know, I notice even my own children sometimes, you know, are not acting in a way that I would always be um, kind of proud. So I think we need to kind of keep guiding them, keep having the conversations, but also being loving that when they when they make mistakes or when their friends make mistakes, you know, we recognize that we all make mistakes um, and that, you know, life is about constantly, you know, recognizing that and moving forward. Um, I wish I, but wish I'm I had sure you when I was I will growing call up. You. I think <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe I'll be calling you in a few years because I think things change rapidly too. 
With, with girls, for sure, right? You can't be critical. I once told my daughter she had a hole in her stocking because she was going on an interview. She's now in, in law school, an yeah. interview for a law firm. And she goes, Mom, do you really have to always be so critical? I said, critical? Yeah. I'm just telling you, you have a hole and I'm trying to make it better. But, you know, yeah. you, you have to be really careful. But I also discovered, Malika, that they hate complaining as much as they hate nagging. So when they were growing yeah. up, I never tried to sort of vent when they were around. Otherwise, I was afraid when they left, they would never come back to visit unless, of course, they wanted to borrow my Amex card. But yeah. um, we, we do live in a very negative world and, and lots of doom yeah. and gloom out there. You know, a lot of people, you talk to them and, you know, thank you for ruining my day. You know, that's what you feel like. Negativity, you say, really does affect your family. So how, yeah. in what way is that, is it negative to be negative? So I realized, um, again, when I um, kind of proceeded with this journey for me that I noticed my internal dialogue and I started to notice that I was always saying I'm overwhelmed, I'm tired, I'm stressed. Um, and the more I started to pay attention, you know, I have this path to intent, which you can talk about, but the more I started to pay attention to my internal dialogue and notice what I was saying to myself all the time, I realized that it was full of kind of criticism and complaints. Um, and it reminded me that when we were young, my dad, another thing he used to make my brother and I do, um, is we'd play these games where we'd have to go a day with no criticizing, condemning, or complaining. And um, try going for one hour, actually, where you don't criticize, condemn, or complain, uh, not just... My husband will tell you, else. I don't go for one minute without that. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. And so it was the reminder to me that, my God, what I'm saying to myself all the time is affecting my reality. So um, a, a step in my book is, you know, to really kind of start noticing your internal dialogue. And for me, that had drastic kind of insight um, and also really changed when I kind of made a conscious effort to not constantly be, you know, looking at the negative, but kind of being more accepting and open and um, changing my dialogue a bit. It had quite a dramatic effect. Yeah, for the good. Yes. Now, my husband will listen to this show and he'll say, oh, gosh, please, you know, have Malik on every single day. <laughs> um, and also, I think it's okay to ask for help. You know, some parents uh, find it hard to ask for help. And, you know, as we know, men never ask for help. You know, they can be lost yeah. in the car for hours and hours. And if you mention yeah. that maybe they should stop in a gas station and, you know, ask directions. Like, why? Yeah, why? Yeah. Because we are lost. That's why. So yeah. why don't, you know, why is it hard for some parents to ask for help if they need to? You know, I don't know. And I'm I'm one of those people who never asks for help. Like, I'm always eager to help other people. But, like, even in coming out with this book, I'm like, oh, you know, I feel like so awkward to ask for help, um, even though I've just finished this book talking about asking for help as one of the steps. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think, you know, we, we do, like, and sometimes um, in kind of the chapter on nurture, like, I really thought about, like, you know, sometimes we just, we need to ask for help. And when we ask for help, the journey becomes so much greater. Um, you know, I have a website, as you know, intent.com, where people state their intents. Yes, and we always thought it would that. take off. Yeah, it would always take off because people um, would share their intents. But when we saw the user behavior, we saw that more people were supporting other people than even stating their intents. And so there's something to be said for when we kind of say what we want when we 
involve other people in our journey, the whole experience becomes so much richer um, because other people are kind of cheering us on and celebrating us and people get so much other people get, um, and you know, all the research shows this as well, is like when you do help others, you also find more happiness and purpose. And so the idea of asking for help actually has tremendous impact um, on our daily lives. Yeah, and that, that's that's important, you know. And, and, and I always find that when I talk to people about what I'm going through, it's, it's interesting how many of them say, gee, I'm going through the same thing. You know, you don't feel so alone. Yeah. Also, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? And especially I, it's so funny because one of the, the biggest thing I'm finding with this book is that, you know, just kind of being about open and vulnerable about my own journey. Everyone's like, oh, my God, it's just like me. Um, and that's the thing. I think just being able to share with people and say, look, we're all just trying to figure it out. And, you know, maybe we can kind of support each other along the way. It, it really makes us feel so much more connected um, and just hopefully empowered, too. Well, that's what makes your book so compelling because we're we're going on this journey with you. You're not talking at us. You're 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 with us in this. Yeah. You know, we're, we're all all in this together. The other thing, you know, it's interesting when my my oldest son went to college, Brown, as a matter of fact, um, I, I told him went. that. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I told him that um, we're not going to be. His parents are not going to be around all the time. I mean, not that he particularly wanted us to be, but you know, to trust his gut feeling, his intuition about right and wrong. And do you think that we all? have this gut feeling that'll set us if we tap into it and learn to trust it that you know it, it yes. will it will set us right yeah so um you know i have a path to intent in the book um around the acronym i-n-t-e-n-t i is for incubation which we talked about which is meditation um and is for notice which is um, the internal dialogue and noticing what our body's messages are telling us um t is actually for trust and for me, that is trusting our intuition, trusting ourselves. You know, I realized that um, when I, I had, you know, I'm an ambitious person. I kind of, you know, like so many want to be like the superhero, like at work and at school and et cetera. But when I really started to kind of quiet down and um, ask myself, remind myself, like, ask myself, who am I? What do I want? Um, really tap into kind of reconnecting with, you know, who I am at a very deep level and listening um, and trusting the answers because sometimes I hear the answers and I'd be like, oh, no, but, you know, I need to do more. But when I really started to trust my intuition, trust that, you know, those deepest desires um, that I feel are, are are good enough and they're wonderful enough, um, I found that I was so much more joyfully accepting kind of my everyday. Um, and so trust is an entire chapter um, in, yeah. in the book um, and really kind of reminding ourselves that we have to trust our intuition. We also have to kind of trust that, you know, if we're, we're doing what we're meant to do, you know, the universe will help be there to support us. It will still kind of be bumpy at times, but, um, you know, we can really, the answers are within us. Um, so, and I share in that chapter, even kind of trying to go and, you know, meet a guru and, you know, find answers somewhere else. And realizing, guru. You know, they're all inside. Yeah. <laughs> they, they are indeed. Malika, we are going to just take a quick break. And when we come back, much more with you. Um, everyone, we are listening to the Jane Wilkins Michael show on iHeartRadio Talk. Stay with us. We'll be right back with Malika Chopra. This portion of the Jane Wilkins Michael Show is brought to you by Express Scripts. 
Express Scripts oversees 1.4 billion pharmacy claims each year on behalf of employers, health plans, unions, and government health programs. Express Scripts works to make the use of prescription drugs safer and more affordable for the 100 million Americans they serve. Understanding that better decisions lead to healthier outcomes, Express Scripts helps patients make the best drug choices and health choices possible. Their disease-specific pharmacists are here to help you better understand your prescribed therapy, lower your overall health care costs, and, ultimately, stay on the path to better health. For more information, visit ExpressScripts.com. Want to know where you can hear Jane Wilkins Michael's show better than before? Well, that's easy. You can tune into Jane via Clear Channel's iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, and at bmajor.org. Now, back to Jane Wilkins Michael and Better Than Before. Welcome back, everyone. We are on the air live. You're listening to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show on iHeartRadio Talk. I am here with Malika Chopra, who is a wonderful guest, and I'm learning so much. I'm taking copious notes, Malika. <laughs> My husband will be thrilled that you're on the show because I think I'm going to be a lot less negative after after this hour. <laughs> so <laughs> um, uh, let's uh, talk about your, your personal lifestyle. You mentioned in the book you had to overcome an addiction to sugar and, and caffeine, and I had to yes. give up caffeine as I'm sort of flying off the wall as it is. But sugar is another story, says she eyeing a cupcake as we speak. How do you how do you give up um, caffeine and sugar? That's not easy because those are very addictive. Well, first of all, I was saying I haven't given them up. Um, oh, I'm okay. still <laughs> dealing with okay. them. <laughs> yeah, but um, no, I think what I realized again, um, and I talked earlier about kind of standing on stage and um, feeling totally bloated, um, you know, having just had, you know, my second macchiato and a chocolate chip cookie right before. Um, and, you know, for me, uh, I think like lots of people, um, I turn to food um, when I'm stressed. Uh, and, you know, I use that also as the fuel to just get through the day half the time. Um, and so when I started to really notice um, the react, first notice that my body was having a reaction um, to food. So, you know, I was having a lot of body pain. And once I started to notice like, you know, that if I kind of had a lot of carbs or sugar, like then the pain would be worse. So just kind of noticing the signals that my body was sending me um, was was very insightful. Um, also noticing, like, why am I eating all this stuff? You know, my dad has a book called um, What Are You Hungry For? And um, believe it or not, like in my family, we'd never really read each other's books, even though my dad's had so many books. And I kind of decided, you know, let me pick up this book and kind of see what my dad has to say about it. And realizing that, you know, my relationship with food um, is complicated. And, you know, I turn to food because I feel like when I have the cookie and the um, uh, cupcake, I feel more connected. I remember like being a child and being at my grandmother's house. So um, when I started to notice all this stuff, um, 
I became much more mindful in my eating. And it was like not, you know, I'm one of those people, I'm constantly trying to lose weight. I'm constantly making a New Year's resolution. I'm going to stop eating sugar. Like I said, all these resolutions. Um, and of course, you know, within two days for me, um, they're over and I'm kind of moving on. But I think when I took this kind of more forgiving approach of, really just noticing the reasons um, and then taking action. Like I went for a retreat and I experienced um, day four was hell because, you know, that was when the sugar kind of my body was just craving it, the sugar and the caffeine. So it's not easy to let go. Um, and so, you know, I kind of started to experience phases when I didn't have it. And then I'd kind of go back. Like that's, again, it's a messy journey. Um, and so right now I would say I'm, I've definitely made huge improvements in terms of eating um, all the sugar without kind of being reflective about it. But that being said, you know, I still enjoy my chocolate chip cookie <laughs> every once in a while. And also for kids today, I mean, I think they basically live on, on sugar. Uh, I mean, it, well, I realized, absolutely, but what I realized is that because of my habit, um, my younger daughter is totally eating sugar, but it's because I'm always eating sugar. You know, I use it as an excuse, like, that she wants it. Um, and so I have definitely been guilty of, like, passing on my kind of addictions um, to my younger daughter specifically. Well, it's hard. I wrote a book on nutrition. I went to my daughter's school to tell everyone about this great book. And I was talking to her kindergarten class. And I thought I was really, you know, getting these kids interested in health food. And they were watching me as I talked to them, talked to them about a good diet. And finally, one little girl raised her hand at the end because I asked if uh, there were any questions. And she said, Mrs. Michael, and she stared at me. And she goes, how many teeth do you have? So I think uh, basically I didn't, you know, anyway, but you know, you try, yeah. you do the best, you do the best you can. And that, that, that's all you can, that's all you can do. So um, yeah. yeah, I'd love to talk about one of my personal favorite sites and that is intent.com. Oh, and I you. cannot say enough wonderful things about it. Um, now, what gave you the idea to dedicate a site to creating intentions that would help us all prioritize our lives and, and therefore be better at taking action? So I think for me, um, I talked earlier about the freeze that my father used to make my brother and I repeat and asking for what the qualities in our life were. Um, and so intent for me has always been just a part of my life. Um, my first book, 100 Promises to My Baby, was also really about my intents to serve as a mother. Um, so the theme of intent has always been part of my life. Um, when I started, Intent.com has been like such an incredible journey because I really started it kind of as a hobby, like a blogging site. Um, and then it evolved over time into like this Twitter with a purpose. Um, you know, we had a box there where we just said, you know, what's your intent? And we saw that so many people were just sharing their intents. Um, so the site's really just kind of grown. But what's amazing about it for me is that um, when you ask people, what do they want? Um, and people really start to honestly answer. You know, people want love. They want connection. They want a sense of purpose. And um, my intent to be a good mom is something I share with you. It's something I share with a woman in Mexico or South Africa or India. And so there's just this power of, like, when we connect with people on our deepest desires, one, we feel more connected. We feel less alone. Um, and then there's this amazing thing that happens with the Internet where, you know, you put it out there and suddenly you have people who are supporting you, who are part of your journey. We actually just um, 
two weeks ago launched our first time our app. Um, you know, which now you, at the iTunes store you can download the app, um, and that gives a whole other layer of it because there's a visual side to it, and um, people are, it's easier to interact with. So, Nintendo's content has been this incredible journey that kind of is growing by itself, and we're just kind of trying to nurture it as it as it grows. So it's been, for me, it's been a very long. Um, we've been around for a while, but. Um, you know, we've been patient to just kind of let it nurture in its own kind of natural way. Right. I started in the, in the very beginning, and I, I was interviewed actually for it. And one of my favorite questions that I was asked was, if you had a stadium full of a million people and had the opportunity to teach one thing, what would you teach? And I um, recounted a, a, a story that I, I had asked once a very spiritual person, a, a shaman, uh, the true meaning of life. And she said, oh, she'll, you know, consult the guides and get back to me. And then finally, after a few days, she called me and she goes, I have the answer. And I thought, wow, I'm really now going to know the meaning of life. And I said, okay, you know, what is it? And she goes, here it is. And she paused dramatically. Stuff happens. And, you know, that's actually not the word she used, but move on. And I said, that's the answer to life? She goes, yeah, don't dwell. So, you know. My my message was move on, you know, some of it, the, the, yeah. the stuff happens in life, you know, and some of it like the weather we can't control. But if there is something we can do about it, we do owe it to ourselves to try. Yeah. Now, you would you would be in that stadium, only you would have like 50 million people <laughs> instead of like <laughs> three, one million. So are there any, I mean, what would you talk about? And I'm, I mean, there's so many things and we covered a lot of them already in the show. But is there one thing that stands out in your mind that if you had that one opportunity to, to tell 20 million people at once what, what that would be? You know, be? I think for me, the, again, with this whole journey that I went on, um, you know, one is ultimately, actually, it's about joy. Um, it's about not taking everything so seriously and really embracing the joy that we have that everyone has in their own small ways, you know, even, but embracing the joy of life. Um, and so I found that I was kind of taking life so seriously and trying to do so much and, you know, but at the end of the day, and for me, there was like this whole kind of thread of like being a soccer mom and is that enough and all the guilt with that. And I had this amazing conversation with Eckhart Tolle, um, where he kind of just made me feel so joyful about my role as a soccer mom. Um, you know, he talked about uh, the power of the frequency holders, the everyday people who are doing extraordinary things, um, and that in that role as a mother, you know, I'm serving myself and my kids like in the most beautiful, authentic way I can. And so, um, and you know, that was kind of early on in my kind of journey of the book and then um, in the end of the book I found myself in this ridiculous soccer mom situation and you know I realized it, it really was just kind of the symbolic moment of like you know this is, it is about joy so let's not forget about the joy of life yeah, and you can never be depressed when you're laughing yeah so that, that's, <laughs> exactly. what, that, that's what that's what what I always say and also what what's interesting is that you you recommend doing it slowly in small sort of increments which I think is important because if you take on too much you shut down and you're you're unable to process anything else and what I what I also love about your book living with intent my somewhat messy journey to purpose peace and joy which I love the title um, each chapter is devoted to that one step on your journey and another piece of your intent action plan as you mentioned earlier incubate notice trust 
just express, nurture, and take action. But it's all very slow. You know, it's not all at once, which, again, we, we shut down if we have too much, you know, everything's coming at us at once. So it, it's important, and, and your message is, is very well received because of that. Thank so you. Yeah, no, and I think, you know, just to, that last T of taking action was very important to me as well because I know, you know, for me also, I kind of often have so many intents and I kind of, you know, but I never have the time to deal with them. And so, but I feel like once you do all the other work, um, you know, and kind of the other steps and taking action actually becomes easier and more effortless as well. And, and I wanted to share with our, our, our listeners your intents that I um, that that you had posted on the site, but I found they really resonated with me. Um, they were for the start of 2015, and and of course they have no shelf life. They are truly inspiration and uh, inspirational year round, and will help us live a healthier, more joyful and and purposeful life. So may I share your intent? Your of six course, intents? yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. One, to be present for my girls husband, family, friends, and community. Two, to honor my physical and emotional needs, exercise, eat good food, meditate, keep intellectually stimulated, spend time with loved ones. Three, to embrace new roles and new possibilities with openness, not fear and doubt. Four, to remain disciplined when I need to be, allowing flexibility and keeping perspective. Five, to laugh and seek joy to have fun. And six, to live every day with intent in the most meaningful ways I know. And, and I think that's lovely. It's very well put. It's everything. You've wrapped up everything we just talked about. And, and I think those are wonderful words to, to live by. Thank you. Yeah, I hadn't heard those for a while, so thank you for the reminder too. <laughs> there, there you go. And now I'm, now I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm living by, by them too. Um, well, Malika, thank you so much for being with us. Um, Thank you. The, the greatest weapon against stress, I feel, is our ability to choose one thought over another. And, and in your book, you, you help us choose the right thoughts that will enable us to, as you say, live every day meaningfully. And Thank everyone, you. please go to intent.com to be inspired to create your own intents and to read more of Malika's work. And where can we find your book? Yeah, everywhere. so hopefully the book, yeah, I think it should be most places um, everywhere and um, it's definitely on Amazon and all that. Um, and um, I'm actually, I also have a website, malikachopra.com and I was going to over the next month, if anyone wants me to sign book plates and things like that, there's a form there. Because uh, I'm one of the nicest things that I think I have heard in talking to people is they do feel like this is, their story <laughs> and they feel like they can relate. Um, so that's been just really touching and lovely for me. So I have my book for you to sign, just so you know. <laughs> yes, I I'd be thrilled. Thank you. Thank you again. So everyone, that's our show. Thank you, Malika. Thank you, Lori, as always. And thank you all for listening. This is Jane Wilkins-Michael. I will see you next week. Until then, be wise, be well, be better than before. Have a question for Jane and want to be on the next Better Than Before show? Drop us a line via instant feedback at bmajor.org. The Jane Wilkins Michael Show is brought to you by Express Scripts and is produced by Major Radio for Clear Channel's iHeartRadio and bmajor.org.